0: From KQED.
2: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. There is a venerable tradition of journalism from and for marginalized communities. And today we talk with three longtime publications from the Bay Area. India Currents, which covers Silicon Valley's South Asian community, celebrates 35 years of publication this year. The Missions El Tecolote is more than 50, and the San Francisco Bayview Black National Newspaper has been publishing since the mid-1970s and under the current management for 28 years. These publications provide an important counterpoint to the mainstream press, but the internet has changed everything for all media. So what's the role for these papers in this new world? We'll talk with the editors of these three publications after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're joined this morning by three editors-in-chief of local publications that are embedded in and serve particular Bay Area BIPAC communities. They're grassroots organizations with venerable histories and, like all of us in media, including here on Forum, uncertain paths into the digital future. So here for this conversation we'd like to welcome Nube Brown, editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper. Welcome, Nube.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Alexis. Yeah,
2: thanks for joining us. We're also joined by Alexis Terrazas, editor-in-chief of El Tecolote. Welcome.
4: Uh, gracias, Alexis. Much, uh, uh, much appreciated. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on.
2: Uh, we're also joined by Vandana uh, Kumar, co-founder, publisher, and editor-in-chief of India... Currents. Welcome, Vandana.
5: Thank you. I'm so honored to be here.
2: Yeah, this is fun. I'm so glad to have all three of you on. I thought, you know, maybe, Vandana, let's start with you. Maybe you can talk about how you see the community that you're serving. Like, what do you kind of define as that community, where it is, like, geographical borders and the kind of cultural borders?
5: Sure. You know, India Currents started in 1987 in the Silicon Valley, So our primary uh, base has always remained this particular area, Mm -hmm. but you you know, um, over the years, what we realized is the content that we were creating um, actually transcended borders, they were we were talking about issues in the mainstream, but we put a cultural lens on it that was actually very appealing for first-generation immigrants from India, no matter where they were. Mm. So our print magazine then grew to, uh, we created a second edition in Los Angeles and a few years later in uh, Washington, D.C. And uh, so our audience grew that way. But with the advent of, Google and Facebook, you know, the world as we knew it changed, mm-hmm. and with it, the publishing landscape too. And it was like a tsunami, and it swept so many of us away. Mm-hmm. We re, you know, we regrouped and decided to be digital only, become intentional about serving the community in our local areas, and we have revamped ourselves, reinvented ourselves. Um, as a local uh, publication serving the Indians and the largest South Asian population in the Bay Area. Yeah.
2: So interesting. We're going to talk a lot more about those issues uh, later as well. Uh, Nube, why don't you talk to me about how you define the community or the audience for uh, your publication?
3: Uh, yeah, thank you uh, for that question. And um, of course, you know how I define it really is uh, through the the voices of the people that uh, bring their stories to the newspaper, mm-hmm. um, but you know this newspaper has been around for uh, we're going on we're going on forty seven. We are in forty six years, mm-hmm. uh, fifteen years with um, when it first started. Very hyper local, right? The Bayview Hunters Point area, and it is now a national newspaper and. So being able to, and, and so 15 years with Muhammad Karim and then Dr. Willie and Mary Ratcliffe have mm-hmm. uh, stewarded this newspaper for the last 30 years, um, you know, pretty much uh, single-handedly as a, well, as a couple. Um, and so bringing the voices of the Bayview Hunters Point, but extending that community out also to... Um, our imprisoned community has been extremely important because mm. um, our people are being snatched from the community um, and uh, being in, imprisoned. And so to be able to keep their voices alive um, and a part of this com- a part of the conversation about what's taking place in our communities has always been a, a hallmark of this newspaper. And um, I like what. Vin- uh, I'm Fine sorry. I'm sorry. V- Say the say her oh, name. Oh, Vandana. Vandana, yeah. excuse me, Vandana. Um, talking about how uh, you needed to go digital, whereas we um, need to do completely the opposite and stay in print, uh, for the very reason that uh, when we think about the communities that we serve, um, being such a uh, communities all over the country, uh, you know. Black communities have been divested from, more than marginalized, literally um, attacked, or uh, divested from, and you know heavily policed. And so, we've been able. It's important that our newspaper stays in print for our people that are behind the walls, um, our uh, our homeless popu- the homeless population, um, which of course isn't just black people, but um, it's it's very important that if we are going to tell the stories of uh, the the people whose voice uh, whose whose lives are being disrupted, uh, it's really important that we stay in print because so many of those 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 two populations, for instance, are. Digitally apartheid, they um, are not able to receive uh, the the news um, and get their voices heard uh, yeah. digitally. And we need to make sure that we stay in print for that reason.
2: Yeah, thank you, Nube. Mm-hmm. I uh, just wanted to point folks to a profile of Dr. Willie Ratcliffe, uh, who took over the the paper in the early nineties in the uh, SF Standard, um, which covered you know a, a pretty amazing uh, life up and down the, the West coast. Um, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Alexis, uh, Terrazas, I, I wanted to ask you about how you see El Tecolote's community. Is it, is it just the mission? Is it the broader sort of Latin American communities of the Bay area? Like talk to me about that.
4: Sure, this is one of my favorite talking points. So there's a word that we use in Spanish, right? El pueblo. And mm-hmm. the pueblo can come to define a few different things, right? It could come to define a specific location, for example, in this case, like the mission, right? Or the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, but a lot of times it's like el pueblo, you know, it's, it's the, 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 people, the people, right? So that, exactly. So that's kind of how we see ourselves. We are hype, we are local, right? We're, we're founded in the Mission District. We're, we're still there uh, after 52 years, last August, uh, just a month ago. Actually, a month ago, uh, today's month, or yeah, August 24th, we celebrated our 52nd anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's entirely been in the mission. But if you look through our archives and even through our pages today, uh, it's not just entirely centered on um you know within the confines of San Francisco or the Mission or the greater bay area we cover very much what hap- what's happening in latin america you know because we see our paper as an extension of that right we are a lot of us who work here um, are uh you know products of or the children of diaspora you know our parents you know coming to this country uh from from different places in latin america and we still have stories to tell and not just the ones here but the ones uh back in in our homelands uh as well and, and one thing that we do also that is it is that is unique and this goes entirely to the uh, this is um, all credit to the to the founders um that our paper is bilingual because even then in 1970 the uh, the founders of the newspaper had the forward thinking of hey if we're going to cover if we're going to create a newspaper that covers issues that are specific to our communities uh, it has to be in the languages our communities speak, you know, and our communities are, as you know, Alexis, they're, they're very diverse. Not all of us We're not a monolith. Uh, not all of us have the same experience. Uh, Not all of us have speak the same language, you know. Um, I'm I'm, I was born and raised here, so my Spanish isn't the best, and you know. So we serve folks that are born here. We serve folks that are from Latin America who maybe don't speak uh, English so well. So we publish our content in the newspaper, um, you know, uh, bilingual in English and Spanish.
2: Yeah, you know, we are talking with the editors in chief of three Bay Area community-based publications. We're hearing from Alexis Terrazas, the editor-in-chief of El Tecolote, Nube Brown, editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper, and Vandana Kumar, the co-founder, publisher, and editor-in-chief of India Currents, which has uh, long been based in Silicon Valley. We'd love to hear from you. You know, What local publications like this do you read, and what do you go to them for? We'd also love to hear from you if there's an issue in your particular community that you feel like is has not been covered by larger news outlets but might have been covered uh, by these types of publications. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're KQED Forum, and the Emails forum at kqed.org. I want to ask you all this question, although I think we'll probably only have time for one of you to answer right now. Uh, Vandana, what's a story or a project that you're the most proud of from this past year or two that you feel like shows your publication's approach?
5: Oh, there are so many stories. You're asking me to showcase one. <laughs> yes, sorry. Pick a child. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, we did an investigative piece exploring a unique phenomenon of domestic violence, which is called transnational abandonment. Mm. Uh, This is very unique to um, Indian Americans and South Asians uh, because a number of the folks here have come here on an H1 or are on an H4 visa. Mm -hmm. And these women are often abandoned in their country of origin by their spouses, And this is a story that nobody else would have done or nobody else could do. Our investigative reporters spent nine months immersed within that world, within the organizations that serve uh, folks facing uh, domestic violence. And we came upon this story. It's not like we went out to uh, research this phenomenon. Mm -hmm. We discovered this phenomenon. And I'm really proud because we are now hoping to create some legislative action around this, We are going to our legislators to see if there is a path forward for women who are trapped in this scenario. Yeah,
2: that sounds like something we should do a show on, Vandana. So I'm glad you you brought it up here as well. I mean, when you approach a a story like that, do you go get a bunch of reporters? Do you how, how do you end up telling that story?
5: So our format is rather unique, you know, in the sense that we do uh, community journalism. Most of our stories are written by community members at large. We are training people to become better writers and our uh, reporters today are folks that have started out as nascent community writers, you know, not necessarily having a degree in journalism, but they become great writers. They become award-winning reporters and they, explore the community they explore the scenario that's you know they're investigating and they come up with a story
2: Ah. we're talking with the editors-in-chief of three bay area community-based publications stay with us for more right after the break
0: support for forum comes from san francisco opera
2: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with editors-in-chief of local publications here that serve our BIPOC communities here in the Bay Area about their publications and their favorite stories and their particular approaches to covering uh, our area, we'd love to hear from you. What are some local news outlets? Not not including KQED. We know if you're listening to the show, we know that you're listening to us. Uh, local news outlets that helped you get through this last few years, where there was just so so much going on. You can give us a call. Numbers eight six six seven three three six seven. 86, that's 866 or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's KQED Forum, the emails forum at kqed.org. Uh, org. Uh, Joe, well, let's let's go to uh, you new bay to talk about like so what's a, a story or a theme of your paper that you feel like kind of typifies your approach and that has had some powerful impact? <laughs>
3: um, I love this uh, typical approach. Uh, this newspaper has never had um, paid writers for our, for this newspaper. And so um, it's really uh, it really says so much about how important it is to have you know an independent media source and that the community absolutely needs it. and um, And so uh, all of the stories that we get are from people in the community. Uh, concerned about their issues and need a place to make sure that they can get heard um, and without having to water it down in any way or make anybody comfortable. Um, We have not had uh, funding over all of these years, except through, uh, you know, donations through the the community Mm. and um, any advertising that we can get. So, you know the 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 stories that come through um, that I uh, they're all so important because they are coming from the community that says this is a story that needs to be told, um especially, you know, thinking about how this newspaper uh, was one of the first to uh, publish the issue of police brutality um, and the the police killings, uh, which, of course, put a target on our back Mm -hmm. because, uh, we are willing to, to tell these stories, uh, and, you know, unapologetically from the people's point of view, uh, just, but just taking our, um, our most current issue, Mm -hmm. uh, we are talking about education and how there is still so much, um, anti-blackness, um, around what it is that, uh, you know, our public officials feel about um, our students and our families um, and what it is that we, the community needs in order to make sure that our children are getting the best education. And um, and so to, to, again, create a, to be a part of a platform that gives uh, sacred space for people in the community to say what's important to them uh and like i said we oh uh is 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 so important for and and it makes f- for our newspaper the people are telling us what's important mm-hmm. and so we have and uh, uh, one of the things alexis was talking about is our connection with um you know either other oppressed peoples or the diaspora right and and so our connections with uh, Haiti and and Cuba uh, mm-hmm. and uh, being able to tell those stories, uh, you know, through the lens of a – from a local standpoint mm-hmm. is really important. But I, one of the things that I do want to say about uh, – you know, being able to get these stories and do more investigative work. And I want to first do a shout out to all of those contributors who over these years have brought these stories to us unpaid simply because it just needs to be it needs to be said. But we have gotten a grant where we are going to now be able to um, hire community journalists to actually go out and get these stories Mm -hmm. Um, that affect our uh, our daily lives, all aspects of our lives, whether it be, uh, you know, health, education, uh, housing issues, uh, art, m- more in our arts and our culture, all areas of our lives um, are we are going to be able to go out and get those stories because of this uh, wonderful grant that we got to hire yeah. some community journalists. And we want congratulations. Thank that you so great. much. It yeah. is such a blessing.
2: Uh, One of our listeners has a great memory for you, too, Nubay. Joseph writes, When I was younger, I used to go to a church in Hunters Point with my family. I vividly remember standing outside after the service had finished and staring off at the vague sight of the docks further out while my father talked with my uncle and the other men about who they thought God was. One of them approached me as I ate lunchables absentmindedly and said with a chuckle, I would shake your hand if you weren't so busy. He tapped me on the head with a copy of the SF Bayview as he walked off. Many years <laughs> would pass until I finally got to read it for myself, but it was always there, always around. May you go from strength to strength. Thank you so much for that memory, Joseph. That's beautiful.
3: Yes, thank you. That's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, I love that.
2: Uh, um, Alexis uh, Terrazas, editor-in-chief of El Tecolote, um, Could you talk to me about like a story that you feel like your publication has worked on that you're really proud of or that kind of shows how what you're bringing to the media is different?
4: Absolutely, man. And uh, it's one that I'm still kind of reeling from because it was just really exhausting. Um, In He got a, a USC Annenberg Center for Health Journalism 2020 Impact Fund. Uh, grant mm-hmm. which allowed us to do um, this story, and it had to be a health based story, right? And this, we're, we're in the middle of the pandemic. And well, Adriana, I have to give a shout out to our chief reporter on this project, Adriana Camarena, who's a researcher based here in the Mission District. And, you know, Adriana came to us, we got this grant, um, and she came to us uh, and said, you know, one of the things that I'm realizing is the impact that rent stress is having on our communities here in San Francisco, specifically like migrant monolingual communities. And of course, mm-hmm. some people people might think of like, that's not a real story, right? Because there's rent relief everywhere, you'd think, right? So, but what we ended up doing, because we started hearing, um, you know, people's stories on the ground. So we decided to to launch a survey, and it was about 391 responses. And this all took place in May of last year. And what we found uh, was extraordinary, is that, you know, the the, the level of, despite there being you know, um, rent relief services out there. A lot of folks didn't know that it applied to them or were told by the people on their lease, because a lot of migrants, you know, are subletters, right? They live in apartments where they're not the master tenant. The master tenant would tell them not too bad. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. That doesn't apply to you. You still have to pay me. And the amount of stress and some of the stories that we got through interviews with some of these people were extraordinary. You know, um, you know, some people, burned through like 16 to 20,000 dollars of their savings all in a, within a matter of months. uh and just the stories of resilience but also just looking at that um you know the impact like guess something that was really specific uh to our communities and we looked at the zip codes um within the city that were most disp- disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 mm-hmm. uh or you know folks that were uh, a community series. Sorry, zip codes that had uh, um, Latino community, Latino communities that were most disproportionately impacted by COVID nineteen. So that drove our our reporting, and you know, we got stories of people realizing, like, yeah, I am, uh, you know immunocompromised, but I'm still going to go work because I have to pay this rent. I, I can't give up this roof over my children's heads, you know, mm-hmm. and, and those were the types of stories that we, we really tried to amplify. Uh, it was a two part series. Folks can read it on our website too. Um, and it was just an exhausting effort. Um, you know, because we're a really small team, you know, it was Adriana and myself, uh, working as a reporters, but we could not have also done it without the promotoras who were doing the survey, right. Cause promotoras are, are especially skilled. Um, and this this group specifically was the Mujeres Hacia el Conocimiento, uh, based out of Excelsior Works um, nice. in the Excelsior District. So that's one that uh, still I'm really proud of, but also... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll, that'll
2: work you. Yeah, and sh- shout out again to Adriana Cabarena, who was the, the lead reporter on that. Thank you. Uh, we, uh, we also have a, a listener who writes in with a memory of El Tecolote. I went to a low-income, mostly immigrant kid high school on the peninsula, El Tecolote was the first newspaper I ever really became aware of because some kids at my school wrote a feature about how school like ours were being over-policed or had police visit our campuses more often than rich schools or something like that. I remember the seniors that wrote it together feeling verified in some way that what they felt was impacting poor kids like us mattered to a publication enough that they were willing to print it, edit it, and let us be heard. And to also be heard in the language so many of our parents who were monolingual in Spanish uh, could read it, legitimizing us in the two tongues. You Do you remember that story, Alexis?
4: I don't. It could be a long time ago. It's hard to know. It could yeah. be. I'm a, I'm a Peninsula kid myself. Uh, I went to school in Pacifica, so I'm really curious as to what yeah. high school that was. Man. Yeah, but, yeah. No, props. <laughs> a great story. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, let's bring in a caller. Let's bring in uh, Nudapama. Welcome.
6: Hello. I'm so happy to hear this conversation uh, between My name is Nirupama, and uh, <clears throat> about the, the wonderful work that these publications are doing in our communities, I just wanted to share that I am a first-generation immigrant, and I wanted to uh, tell you that when I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast and picked up my first issue of India Currents magazine, mm. uh, today I call myself an Indian-American, a hyphenated identity. And for some you know reason... Looking at those pages and looking at those stories made me belong in a way that mainstream publications were not able to reach. And in a beautiful way, I think it helped me embrace my American identity, not mm. feeling understood, not feeling that you are seen in mainstream America makes one feel unmoored when you're an immigrant and Looking at my story in the pages of India Currents through other writers, and I went on to write for India Currents as well, and then edited it for a few years as well. But I still treasure the first uh, few years of reading the magazine when I hadn't even started writing for it, because it made me feel understood, and it made me embrace my identity as an American Um, in a way that today I can truly say that I'm an Indian American in every sense of the word. So I just wanted to share that these publications uh, have a real impact on helping one feel confident in one's identity. Yeah. Thank you very much for having this program.
2: Yeah, Nidupala, thank you so much. That's just a a beautiful um, call. You know, Vandana, I feel like you should just Get a chance to respond to that one that's just such a such a, a wonderful example and demonstration of the power of your work
5: i know and uh i'm so amazed when i hear from uh, folks the example that nirupama spoke about is one that i've heard over the years that's my fuel you know, that's what keeps me going. The fact that I realize, despite all the difficulties we are facing, how important it is to have that platform, to have a platform that helps people belong. Now, you have to remember that Indian Americans are a fairly new immigrant uh, population to the United States, Mm -hmm. we were allowed to come here only after the Civil Rights Act was passed. So a majority of our readers are actually first-generation immigrants. Mm -hmm. And India Currents provided a platform because it was actually coming in their voices. As I told you, we didn't really have reporters. And it was a measure of uh, finances, you know, we couldn't afford it. So it's like, oh, let's ask the readers to write. (laughs) Later on, you know, it became, today we have a term for it. We call it crowdsourcing. But honestly, I mean, we were crowdsourcing before there was a term for it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, you also have uh, another listener, tweet, Sureshi Tweets. Uh, I often think about how revolutionary it was that India Currents came to be, how lucky I was to have this around as a first generation child growing up in America. I hope the coming generations can sustain this legacy because I know the existence of this isn't trivial and I, you know, I wanted to ask you about sustaining this publication. I mean, what happened to India Currents during the pandemic? Were you did you feel I mean, so many publications had a very difficult time during that time. Did you feel like you might shut it down?
5: Oh, uh, we felt we we would have to shut down even before the pandemic, you know. We were trying to navigate um The digital space, you know, as I'd mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. because we published a free magazine, you know, at our peak, we were doing 30,000 copies month after month, Mm -hmm. printing, mailing, distributing at no cost to the reader, but it was 100% supported by small business advertising. Mm. And they moved on to the digital space, you know, when Facebook and Google offered advertising at a few cents. We couldn't uh, sustain. And actually, there was a point where I started wondering is like, have we arrived at this post-racial moment in time that we don't need ethnic media like India Currents around? Mm-hmm. Maybe all our stories are being told mm-hmm. by, you know, the mainstream. But the pandemic actually turned out to be helped me see a whole different side because um My readers, and I kid you not when I say that we were deluged. We were deluged by notes, stories, comments, letters from our readers at the start of the pandemic. First of all, all small business pulled out and we were thinking, okay, so this is it because we can't really do anything. But then our readers started writing to us and saying at a time of uncertainty, how much they valued what was being shared in India Currents because they thought of it as their own concerns being told in a way that made sense to them. Mm. And so that gave us the opportunity to pivot to actually a reader-supported module. And it was dang scary, man, because (laughs) for 32 years, I had not asked my readers for any money. And it is scary because I thought they're used to the free. Will anyone support? And uh, credit, I want to credit Lance Noble of Berkeley side, who I spoke with, and he said, you've, you know, ask your readers, but I was the one that was scared to that. And I had no infrastructure. I had no way to take donations. I had no, so I just sent an email. That's all I did. I sent an email saying, folks, we are hurting. And if you want to support and want to see us around, you have to help. And in two days, we raised $8,000. Mm-hmm. Now granted $8,000 isn't a lot of money, but it was $8,000 that we did not have. <laughs> and right. it actually showed us a path forward. And you know, I started working towards creating infrastructure and making sure that, hey, we qualify, try and raise that amount. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to all the folks that have stepped up in this moment. And I have to say, you know, this is one of the uh, credits or one of the good things that came out of a pandemic. Um, I don't know how many good things came out of, a, of this pandemic, but this is definitely one of them. And so you think that going
2: forward, you're going to stick with this model of a kind of like membership subscriber, kind of reader supported model?
5: Yes, that is the way forward for us. And I do want to acknowledge what uh, Alexis and Nube said. Um, There are so many things you're saying that I feel you could be speaking to the audience of India Currents. You know, you are addressing the same needs in the community that we are doing in ours. So I'm incredibly honored to be on the show with both of them.
2: Well, we're gonna talk a little bit about some of those, this ecosystem of different kind of ethnic publications, other places that serve BIPOC communities. We are talking with the editors-in-chief of three Bay Area community-based publications. Vandana Kumar is the co-founder, publisher, and editor-in-chief of India Currents. Alexis Terrazas is the editor-in-chief of El Tecolote. And Nube Brown is the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper we would love to hear from you what are the local news outlets that you feel like address your particular concerns in your particular community we'd also love to hear what issue in your community do you feel like isn't being covered by larger news outlets you could give us a call the number is 866-733-6786 that's 866-733-6786 i'm alexis madrigal this is forum stay tuned
0: for more Welcome back to
2: Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We are talking with the editors of Bay Area Community-Based Publications, joined by Bay Brown of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper, Alexis Terrazas of El Tecolote, and Vandana Kumar of India Currents. Um, Alexis, this one's going to you. Um, we have two listener listeners. Uh, tweets that are interesting. Giselle tweets, I'm very proud of Sonoma County's bilingual publication, La Voz, which focuses on showcasing local folks succeeding and giving back to our communities. And Elizabeth tweets, thank you for the interesting and important forum on local newspapers. My go-to news source for SF is Mission Local. It features superb reporting starting from the Mission District and impacting the entire city. And the question that occurs to me out of this, and, you know, Van was kind of gesturing towards it as well, that there's kind of this ecosystem of small papers, ethnic publications. How do you see El Tecolote's role like kind of within that that ecosystem understanding that each one kinda of has its own lane, but also there's collaboration as well?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. So I view us as being, or going to try, we're small, right? So we don't have, right up front, um, just acknowledging the listener's comment. Yeah, like those two publications are are wonderful because they're incredibly timely and robust. Um, You know, for us, we're a little bit slower paced, right? We publish once every two weeks. We're trying to get better about uh, updating online and our podcast as well. But um, but the way I kind of look at it is like we kind of have our own, voice and in our in our own way of going about things like we don't necessarily shy away from having an opinion. We were founded out of the 1968 student strike at SF State, you know, so um, but one of the things that I I strive for every time our newspaper hits the street is like it has to be uh, filled with content that you're not necessarily going to see anywhere else now and that's not to say we're not going to overlap uh, or you know you're not going to see issues covered elsewhere, but I'm hoping that the lens that you see through our reporting. Um, is different and and it's not um you know we, we talked about like this 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 ecosystem it's it's wonderful that i and i'm also honored to be on here with um with you know with india currents and and um and the in the bayview you know i uh, vandana i heard about india currents when i was working and collaborating with um uh, ethnic news service by sandy close you know so it was um you know we, we, just, Wait, what's, we that? Just tried what's that what's that Oh, ethnic, so it's no longer um, around, uh, or no, sorry, it was called New American Media, and and now it's rebranded as Ethnic News Service, I believe it's called or something along those Uh lines. Um, But yeah, so uh, I see ourselves as part of like this greater uh, ethnic media, uh, or ecosystem of ethnic media, and we have incredible like insight into our own communities, and we know what the issues are, Um, you know, it's not oftentimes, or it's, you know, we have... (laughs) <laughs> we have a lot of elections happening, obviously, right now. And we also have elections back home that we cover. Mm-hmm. you know, so um, I just kind of see ourselves in that. And, and a lot of the issues that New Bay and Vandana were talking about are the same issues that we're talking about in our own newspaper. So I just hope that we continue to be that contributing voice, you know, that we're able to to spot stories um, that are particular, uh, that are niche, and, and we serve those communities, even if they're not going to you know, be of the taste of the greater mainstream general audience, I don't really care, you know, because it, if, it, if it serves our immediate community, that's what I'm striving to do. Um, and I'll just give a quick example of this. Um, you know, at the, it, you know, at the height of the pandemic, uh, when vaccines were becoming available, um, this was a project that I also embarked on with Adriana um, Camarena, where we did a video, um, like kind of a, a video uh, I guess we interviewed somebody down at the Latino Task Force um, that, mm-hmm. were, that was a site of uh, issuing vaccines, right? And we all heard stories of like low vaccination rates amongst our folks. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we kind of recruited a community reporter who's, who's Mayan, um, who spoke mom, and basically relayed all of the information um, that she got, um, you know, all the questions that people had regarding the vaccine, she relayed mm-hmm. them in Mayan. And that was incredibly like, like I said, focused, right? That's not a story or a video for you know for for the general audience, but that's one for a community that we recognized uh, you know needed some information because the city wasn't providing information in Mayan, you know, even though there is a significant Mayan community here in San Francisco. So that's what we try to do. That's how we see ourselves. in short, um, you know part of this ethnic media community media um, ecosystem.
2: One more quick follow-up on that uh, listener Ernie asks, I've been reading and following the new Philippine X newspaper Mahaliyu. Uh, okay. Mahalaya. Not, Mahalaya. Sorry. Thank you. No, um, okay. good. <laughs> uh, and I saw that someone named Alexis Terrazas wrote a sports article in the first edition. This wouldn't be the very same, Alexis, and maybe you could speak to that a bit. That's an ongoing collaboration.
4: That that uh, Guilty. Got me. Yep. I, I wrote that story for uh, my good friend Casey Tixay, who is the uh, editor and founder of Mahalaya. And this was a a real I mean, I'm a sports guy, so I used to be a sports writer um, at the uh, freelance sports writer um, at the San Francisco Examiner, amongst other publications. And this was a story that I saw I found on my radar. You know, the the Philippines National Women's Team qualified for the first ever World Cup. um, And the person who scored the winning um, penalty kick goal, um, uh, Serena Bolden, is from, I believe, Walnut Creek and i lit up immediately because i'm a sports nut and i love a good local sports story so I reached out to her and um, and she, I think they were, I think she was in, oh my God, where was she? She was somewhere in Asia. So the time difference was insane. Yeah. But um, but we got to interview her and that was a story that was also co-published too. So we ran it in Deco So, you know, if, just in mm-hmm. case our folks wanted to see it because a lot of the, again, like a lot of the storylines are, are the same, yeah. you know, our experiences are different. But in this case, like Serena, you know, is, um, you know, biracial, she's black and Filipino. And, you know, kind of growing up with like, identity issues and questions and that's not unlike a lot of us yeah. you know so i and i try to write this story the best i could i interviewed her parents who were incredibly sweet um so yes guilty and uh and i and this is one instance where i really believe in community media um i support casey's publication 100 yeah. you know because i feel like those uh, voices are, are very, very valued, I, you know, and also, um, you know, yeah, I just, uh, I care about these things. My wife's Filipina, so we have Filip- uh, Mexipino twins, <laughs> so so any, any chance I can help yeah. elevate and amplify more stories, I'm, I'm going to do that.
2: You know, uh, New Bay Brown, editor-in-chief of uh, San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper. You know, there are other black publications just within the the Bay Area, Oakland Post. I mean, shout out to Paul Cobb, who's kept that publication alive for a long time, The Sun Reporter. So how do you think about collaboration with or, you know, just what what that looks like for you within the Bay Area's black publishing ecosystem?
3: Yeah, thank you for that. And I do want to also just... Say how grateful I am to be here um, with Vandana and Alexis, uh, because we are talking about um, the issues of our respective communities, and I think it is important that we um, that we are telling our stories and that nobody else is is doing that for us. And I think, um, you know, to something that uh, Alexis said about. Um, you know, being able to tell stories, uh, there's going to be there's going to be that overlap. So of course, there's going to be some level of of collabor Well, I don't know that they're necess- We are necessarily collaborating with these uh, right. with the other uh, black publications. It's um, how they tell their stories uh, for the community, for the immediate community, is incredibly important, and we wouldn't want to. Um, you know, do anything to water that down. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing uh, with with our with our uh, newspaper, with the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper. Um, it's really important that the stories that are being told are being told by the people that are experiencing them. Um, and I I would be remiss. I wanted to go back just a little, if you don't mind, Alexis, Um Uh, When we were talking about you know important stories Mm, that have mm -hmm. taken place through um, them, sure, and and which one is uh, you know our favorite because. I'm, I'm so new to the San Francisco, uh, to, to this uh, publication as an editor. I've only been with the Bayview for two years. And there is a huge issue that has been, that preceded me and has been ongoing around environmental uh, racism and environmental justice. Out with, of Treasure the, Island? Yes. Out, well, out of uh, the Bayview, uh, the Hunters Point Naval Shipyard, mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. been... Um, Covered by Dr. Himsa Porter Sumchai for like the last 25 years, mm-hmm. and and so this issue um, is doesn't get mainstream coverage because we are talking about the Navy, we are talking about environmental uh, racism, and and so we have ha- um, to have that story covered. Um, Uh, By her and through this newsletter, uh, sorry, through this newspaper, has been, um, uh, you know, uh, is is, you know, really just speaks to why it's important to have independent media and have the people that are experiencing it tell their stories and you know, listening to uh, some of the callers um, around, you know. talking about India currents, thinking about the person that, you know, was uh, bopping that young person on the head with the <laughs> newspaper. Cause like, it makes me think about uh, how, I mean, collaboratively, you know, uh, with again, the people that are actually telling these stories. So, you know, how that this newspaper is being used to like organize the people on the inside to to keep them educated about the issues that are taking place in the community that they've been taken from and um and how they can organize uh educate one another um uh, and to advocate for their either their freedom or even just to keep themselves in, informed uh and not be silenced by you know mainstream media. So when we think about, um, uh, you know, this yeah, this ecosystem of of, of ethnic media uh, and how being able to tell our stories uh, through again the lens of um, independence uh, and and unapologetically, I think allows us that freedom to. Uh, acknowledge other people being able to tell their stories um, and why it's so important that we uh, are doing the same.
2: Well, and just that remarkable ability to to sit on it. Um, you know, one of the reasons I mentioned Treasure Island is I was yes. reading on your on your site that I think you guys have published something like 75 articles about what's been happening out on Treasure Island, which, you know, does get occasional mainstream attention, much less so than the, the cleanup at the uh, old naval base out there. Absolutely, but I mean to have to have people who are going to stick with it, story after story, week after week, because they live there, right? And or or they're part of the community. Consider them as part of that that community.
3: Absolutely, world. and you need an independent media that is going to be able to tell that story, because otherwise it gets buried, and that's why it's so important. Yeah,
2: this is. As many people know, you've been hearing about the importance of local journalism and supporting it. (laughs) This is also a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio. For more information on how to support KQED, go to kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. I think we're going to go back to the phones here. Let's go to uh, Anu in Pennsylvania. Welcome, Anu.
7: Hi. Could you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Go ahead. Yes, so I wanted to give a hats off to the India Current magazine because I'm the younger generation reader, you know, the gadget person Mm -hmm. who are not into reading newspapers or probably anything printed, right? So as on behalf of our eco-friendly generation or whatever you might call it, I really like this digital style because it kind of captures our generation, likes to get everything on our phone, and so yes, I I really like it going digital because it kind of gives us our community an access to everything going around. At the same time, obviously the news. So yes, um, just wanted to say I'm very appreciative of this kind of uh, communication. And uh, go green is the next way. Digital is the next the next mantra of this time. Unfortunately, or fortunately. So, yes, thank
2: you for having me yeah. on my the call. Thank you, Anna. Really appreciate you giving a call. And um, shout out the, uh, you know, India Current, Bandana, staying staying alive with the next generation uh, as well. I'm going to uh, try and squeeze in one more call here. I'm going to go straight to uh, Maydel in the Mission in San Francisco. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Go ahead.
8: Oh, um, well, um, these are three of my favorite publications, so I just had to call and <laughs> um, join the party. <laughs> but um, I, I worked at El Tecolote for many years, and I'm now doing some collaborations with Vandana, and uh, and of course, I've also been um, very much following the work of the baby newspaper with Nouve there. So... Um, but one thing I wanted to mention, I think you've, you've talked in this hour about all the, the, the services to the community that these mm. newspapers do, that these publications do, and reporting a lot of the stories that other bigger mainstream publications a lot of times don't catch or don't want to devote the, serv- the, the resources to them. But there's one service that y'all haven't talked about that is really important that I want to say that um, as... Journalist of color, as a Latina journalist myself, I'm a first generation. My parents are monolingual immigrants. Um, Opportunities for me in my career have not exactly, like, the doors have not exactly been slammed open um, for a lot (laughs) of uh, journalists of color. And a lot of us um, really learn to find our voice in ethnic media publications. Um, because a lot of times they're the only places that will give us an opportunity. And so I think that's a big service, and I think that there's probably hundreds of thousands of journalists of color that would not have been able to follow that path if they not had access to um, the opportunities to to start out at publications like these. So I just want to say that y'all are making a difference not just for the readership, but to the larger Um, journalistic environment and and that means it's also um, it's a contribution to our democracy to have journalists of many different backgrounds. Speaking our voices, so I just wanted to make sure to um, <laughs> work that into Madele, the conversation. that's a, and that's say hello. beautiful.
2: Thank you so much. No, that's a that's a, a really great point. And you know, Alexis, maybe you could take this in terms of like you know, El Tecos had this long-standing relationship with with SF State, and I think does take that training of new journalists really seriously.
4: Yeah, no, my bell's out here going to make me cry. I know, stuff, right? Man. <laughs> no, man, she's right. Um, my very first, I guess you could say, like, uh, you know, it was 2009. I was a student at SF State in John Funabicke's ethnic news service class and um, my byline came out in Deco that semester you know and, and as I was trying to exit the freelance game as it were um, I applied to a lot of different places and a lot of times I never even so much got as a callback or even a courtesy email nothing uh, but Deco gave me a shot and so that's one of the things that I really try to to do and my time is limited I'm a parent and you know and that that's a whole other thing but no uh, we definitely try to uh, serve as a training crown you know we've collaborated with us of state you know um, already numerous times and you know I've had fellows from state you know Jacqueline Pinello who's just starting out at the uh, Sacramento Bee I think this week or last week you know, um, uh, Lorena Garibay, who was a fellow last year, who's actually working on some really cool solutions journalism stuff to to keep an eye out on, you know, and, and just even um, last semester, there was a student in a class who had been who never thought they were going to have their byline in print and their first byline was with us and they were, you know, ecstatic so we we see the the impact um sometimes in the mad rush of hey constantly trying to publish get the news out sometimes i do lose sight of um of that but when people hit me back and you know that's and they tell me like what this means to them it it it, um it re-energizes me i don't know if i don't remember if it was vandana or nube who said who mentioned the word about how it rejuvenates you but that's what (laughs) that's what inspires me is hearing those in those stories that's beautiful we've been
2: talking with the editors-in-chief of three Bay Area community-based publications thank you so much to Alexis Terrazas editor-in-chief of El Tecolote
4: thanks Alexis no thank you all for having me I really appreciated this
2: also joined by New Bay Brown editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper thank you so much New Bay
3: it's been a pleasure thank you so much
2: and Vandana Kumar co-founder and publisher of editor-in-chief of India Currents thank you Vandana
5: Thank you so much for having us
0: on your show. I'm Alexis
2: Madrigal. This has been Forum. Stay tuned for another hour with Mina Kim.
0: Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts.